Evening, Flucker fans. Bonsoir, mon oh. amis. Oh, yeah. How I thought I'd say that. No, I thought I'd say that because of the French. Oh, crikey, the poor French. Today. Today. So, uh, to our listeners, that'll give you a bit of an indication as to how far ahead we actually record these to get them out uh, published. That's true. About so, a week or so, shocking, shocking news today from France regarding the, uh, the French police for, I think there were police staff. I think so. In the police. Killed within the police building. station. Whereabouts in France was it? Was it in Paris? Paris. Was it yeah. in Paris? Was it? Yeah. It's ter- uh, ter- terrible. Well, it's, I think four people lost their lives. Yes. Was there any indication? I haven't really read much about it. I think you probably read more than me. What was the, what's the gist of it? What's I think it's a, uh, a police... Like, if it's in the UK, we would call them police staff. So they right. work for the police, but they're not, like, warranted officers. So I think it was a police staff member disgruntled about something and has gone in and, and attacked his colleagues. And I think it's one female and three males. And was it a knife attack? Knife attack. Because as soon as you hear a knife attack mentioned, you immediately, you know think of the possibility of being some sort of terrorist related thing but that's is that not thought to be the case in this no I think it's been discounted I think he worked for the I think he worked for the the police right. for about 20 years worked in the intelligence department did I see that there was some suggestion he had some sort of disagreement with the supervisor allegedly so yeah and they were on strike as well yesterday the probably French police probably been bullied <laughs> but it's bad though isn't it oh, it's, it's terrible I mean it's bad enough being a cop and facing the you know, the dangers on the street. Yeah, you're not expecting it back of the neck, are you? In one of the safest places, what you would assume, in the yeah. city, inside a main police station, yeah. to have one of your colleagues turn on you, it's shocking, it's shocking. So, yeah, my heart, uh, my heart, thoughts and prayers go, go out to the French tonight. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Mm. What, uh, oh, I noticed that they, they had that strike, didn't they? Yeah. Now, the French are... Are good at striking, aren't mm. they? They they they're they're quite vocal. They get uh, they see it as part of their uh, French heritage. Don't oh, they right. to challenge yeah. to very much challenge? Uh, yeah, liberty. You know, they think that legality, yeah. fraternity, all that, Definitely. all those things. Yeah, yeah. with being a French. So, um, how many other countries have the ability to strike their police force, or or are we unusual? Say, for instance, America. Well, the cops in America can they strike? I don't know. We are unusual, but because we we don't. We're not afforded the employment rights because technically you're not employed as a British cop, are you? You you don't hold an employment status. You hold an office, don't you? Right. So you yeah. hold the office of constable. Yeah. Rather than being employed, yeah. and therefore you you don't get some of the rights afforded to people that are employed. So for all our international listeners, te- technically you're not employed when you're a UK cop. You hold the office of constable, um, and. It's also written in law, isn't it, in British law, about it being a criminal offence for police officers to strike or incite mm. that type of uh, that type of behaviour. Yeah, because to be fair, in recent years, there's probably been quite a few things that the cops, probably in France, would have uh, had a strike about. Interestingly, their strike is about similar things, isn't it? A reduction in their pension. Yes. Working hours? Yes, there was another main thing as well. Yeah, I can't remember what it was now. Attacks on police. Attacks on police. Attacks on police. And yeah. have we experienced any of those three things? The British cops? Oh, I think we've experienced... Oh, let me think now. Think, was oh, it all, all of them? All of them. All of them. Yeah, oh, that's it. Now, slap my thigh. That's a, yeah, that's a mm. coincidence, isn't it? Very, very much so. I was also reading the news about the ladies that unfortunately lost 
today and they were the ladies of 60 years old plus. They formed a group to challenge the change in the pension age. Oh yes, well, I heard something females. about that. And I thought they had a good point though really. They had a very good point in so much as at very short notice they were suddenly told, a bit like the police, uh, oh, you're going to have to, uh, you're gonna have to carry on working for another five years. Or you can't draw your pension for another five years. Um, and a lot of people quite reasonably, in my opinion, said, well, hang on a minute, you can't, you can't, we've been planning for this, our retirement, you know, happening at this age for the last God knows how many years, for the last 20, 30 years, looking forward to it. And, and now you're shifting the goalposts out the blue, suddenly, to five years later. Hang on a minute, we haven't planned for that financially. We haven't planned for this. We can't afford this, that and the mm. other because we've planned for having this money. And it's a bit like a business and cash flow, isn't it? If yeah. you think you're at the end of the month, you're going to get X amount in, um, then it can fundamentally affect your business. And just like it can fundamentally affect people's lives. So unfortunately they lost because had they won, that would have been another interesting thing legally to be able to challenge this situation where people like Umberto Bongo suddenly when he thought he was going to be retiring at blooming 50. 50 yeah he could have done couldn't he yeah when's he going to retire now 83 at, at least <laughs> yeah, at least mind you he does look young it, well, well yeah what's well, left do, of him yeah, well, well to be fair yeah what's left of him oh. now, and, yeah well there was no arbitration for the cops was there when when um, Theresa May was their then home secretary prior to being the prime minister and was it Tom Windsor, the Windsor Report? Yeah, she got together right. with him and they um, well, they were very crafty and clever with their pens. Well, there goes the saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah, it was and indeed. With, them, a, wasn't it? with a stroke of a pen, it, it was changed almost overnight. Yeah. And I mean, I was lucky little, with my pension because it was all, um, you know, I was on the old scheme. Mm. Um, and of course, had I stayed in, had I been able to stay in, um, then you know, I'd still be able to retire at the same age. Yeah, well, you, had that, you had that age and that service yeah. on your side, didn't you? Whereas Umberto Bongo's got more service. Than well, he's being a youthling. But he, was, he joined very young, so... Yeah. He was, well, how bad must that be to think that, oh, I've got... Nine oh, years left to do. To another good pal of ours, didn't it? Who has all the fish. Yeah. How much, out of the blue, suddenly, oh, you've got another nine years. Yeah. Was it nine years or well, was it longer? I know Umberto had nine years left to do and it went from nine to something like... 17 that's terrible, overnight it's terrible how it's something like that but he got military he got his military pension as well yeah but yeah incredible and you've got no arbitration nothing no. no and if you and so to our international listeners you can't even say to your colleagues should we like work to rule or should we should we should we walk out or not come in tomorrow because that's a criminal offence yeah you can't do it so it, you'd commit and a, cri- a criminal offence as a cop. Yeah. Wrong. Uh, but anyway. But hey. Hey. We really are off the cuff tonight, aren't we? No, so we, really, well, we, haven't really, we don't have any idea whatsoever what we're going to talk well, about. We haven't even done a proper hello because we've have got we? some more news, haven't we? So have we went we? straight into the French, didn't we? Oh, um, well, we've got a new, uh, new country that's come on board. Overnight last night, we're now very, very big in Austria. Hi-ho. Oh, no, it's no, not hi-ho, it's that's 27 dwarfs. It is. It high is on a hill with a lovely goat herd. The Von Trapp family? Yes. Yeah. Vienna. They Vienna. love us in Vienna. I've been to Vienna. 
Have you? It's very nice. I was whizzing mm. around Vienna with my young lady on lime scooters. Oh. There are other scooters available. Mm-hmm. Bird. Uh, yeah. And e-scoot and all that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Um, but these, these are great. Have you been on these little scooters, the electric scooters? No. They're an absolute scourge, of course, for local inhabitants who have to have them dumped in their gardens, in their rivers, in their drains and stuff like that. But for your average tourist, instead of spend, spending 50 quid on a taxi, jump on a lime scooter, two euros, woof, you're off. And They're is it brilliant. electric? Yeah. That's how long does it last for? Long as you like. Oh, they do about 25, 30 kilometres, these, these, uh, these electric scooters nowadays. And then you just parked up and brought it in. I like that one I bought from China to get me to work after the dodgy hit, which went about a quarter of a mile, but no, no, a bit longer than that. Um, but yeah, so what you do is uh, you get your, um, is it a QRL code or something? You know, square yeah, things with all the yeah. boxes on. Yeah. I try reading them, but you can't make out what they say, can you? Uh, so it's like one of them pictures that you have to squid yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes it's some woman like the and sometimes it's a rabbit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you scan it on your phone. And then that immediately deducts one euro from your account because that's the minimum charge. Then off you scoot and it's 15 cents, well, depending on the country, I suppose. In, in uh, Vienna, it's 15 cents per minute. Now, a minute doesn't sound very long for your 15 cents, but when you can whiz around and not get stuck in the traffic and go up on pavements and run over children and all stuff like that and take shortcuts and annoy everybody, it's really quick. So, you know, your average trip that you might take 20 minutes in a taxi four or five minutes in one of those, so less than two euros, Bob's your uncle, you're away. Brilliant. As long as, as, long as you read all the instructions fully and at the end of your ride, you turn it off. Ah. I didn't. Oh. No. We went around a lovely museum. It was... Um, how long was you walking around the museum for? Oh, about an hour and a half. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this idiot. is not like you. It was the museum country house in Vienna that has the... Original picture. They were there. They were there, all wearing the uh, lederhosen. Yeah. Yeah, and the hats with the little feathers in. Yes. Yeah. Aged a bit, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the, the picture of the kiss, uh, which is the bloke leaning over, looking slightly hunched back, with the lady gazing up into eyes, mm. all gold colours and stuff like that. I can't remember who, who uh, painted it. It will come to me in a bit. But it's it dead good. So then, but uh, the moment was slightly lost at the point of realising, oh, my God! I've got the bloody scooter running. So anyway, we, it was like 18 euros or something. <laughs> so it would have been cheap. Two get, scooters. Oh. So that's 36 euros. Should have got a taxi. Well, should have got a taxi. <laughs> but fair play to old um, Line. Emailed them saying, ever so sorry, new time user. I've been a longed all my life to use Lime scooters. It was a lovely scooter, beautifully, you know. I was going to recommend it to all friends, but suddenly I've realised they refunded it. Whoa. About... About something like eighty-five percent of it, they they refunded it. So I'm a big Lime fan. Aren't they great? Some people hate them, of course. Mm, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. So hello uh, Austria. So it's service or service. Service. Austrian friends. Brilliant. Yeah. So how many countries is that then? Fifty exactly. Fifty now. Fifty-five zero. It's not too bad, is it? How many countries in the world? Ooh, hundred and ninety-four, I think. But they do include little ones like right. Jersey. You have to swerve around in the channel. Yeah. There's only seventy. Some six kilometres around it. So that's it, yeah. Uh, there was uh, some other stuff in the news, wasn't there? There, was actually, as w- there actually was some news that came from Nottinghamshire Police. News? Umberto Bongo sent it to us. He was a bit annoyed about it. Ooh. Go on. Right. No, no, all it said was, no, it was news, and, and that stood for Nottinghamshire 
uh, encouraging women to succeed. That's newts. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Newts. I wonder if they knew that. Hang on. Yeah, it is bloody newts, isn't it? Hang on a minute. They got that wrong. We'll have to, we'll have to email Craig. Um, so news, Nottingham. It is news, Not- yeah. It's silent tea. Yeah, Nottinghamshire encouraging women succeed. It's not quite the same though, that was two, is it? Mm. Still doesn't sound quite the same with news, although news. Acronym. Yeah. Uh, There's loads of acronyms, aren't there, please? So I think it's great encouraging people to succeed, all right? Um, but I disagree with making it gender specific. Oh, do you? I do, I'm afraid. They feel they're underrepresented. Yeah, well, that's fine. But that still doesn't stop you encouraging everyone. Is that okay to say they feel they're underrepresented? Or might I offend them by saying no, they, because uh, I'm calling them they? The, the females, I should change it to, the females may think they're under... Yeah, no, oh, I don't think it's too much. Hang on here, I'm confusing this. Price. Females might be underrepresented. Um... Well, what, anyway? Yeah, there's loads of underrepresented people, though, isn't there? So I just think it's wrong to choose a specific group to encourage. I, I would just rather see a headline, Nottinghamshire encouraging everyone to succeed. Mm. It's just not quite the same as newts, is it? It doesn't quite have the ring to it. But, you know, and, and you know, if you were to say, oh, I don't know, Nottinghamshire encouraging... Uh, white people to succeed or encouraging bisexuals to succeed you know there's lots of underrepresented people there's all the binary uh, you know non-binary people it would be the same it would be news yeah it would be wouldn't it that'd be handy Um, so I just I'd I'd rather see everybody succeeding because one of the people one of the sections of of the police force that don't consistently get encouraged to do anything or to succeed or to be given a special bleak test or all these sorts of things is the good old white male now I know the white males have had it all their own way for years and and, you know all the other groups as a result feel oppressed and And they are the majority yeah but I don't know let's just get over it all and let's just encourage everybody that's what I'd rather see what do you think I think it's sometimes disappointing that groups feel that they need to have more representation. That they feel that that, that has to be the case. You know, we have things like, is it LGBT, whatever it's called. Yeah. I can't remember, you know, and I don't mean that in a, I'm not trying to be... A, facetious or whatever I cannot it's changed hasn't it it's yeah, got yeah, a Q yeah, in it yeah, now yeah. Right, so you know what? what is it if you if you put yourself in in that group because of your uh, sexual orientation your gender or whatever it is that you want to be or define yourself as do you feel that you need additional support and recognition. Is that what it is? Does, does, do you feel that the organisation doesn't give you that because it's more focused or it's the overwhelming or majority of employees fit into one other group? Yeah. You know, if you like have the Black Police Association, what is it if you are a, a, a black cop? Why do you feel that it's necessary to have 
an organisation or a group or a club or whatever you want to call it, you know, that is it because it gets an extra voice for you? Do you feel that you need that? Do you feel that you are treated well, in such a way that it's... I think they probably do. Well, historically, the, 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 you know, black officers have been vastly, vastly underrepresented, haven't they, of, of the community? And I, well, is it 4% of the UK population are of black ethnicity? African Caribbean. Yeah. Um, I don't know what currently the percentage of officers, black officers there are in the UK, but I don't know. I get the Black Police Association. You know, I think that's been chronically under, underrepresented, but there's certainly a lot of. So, so why is it okay to have that then, and not have a not have a the news? That's a very good question. News group. Well, I don't think that I don't. I think for the news group, um, I don't think there is any fundamental reason why they're underrepresented okay because for a long long time now we you know all officers have been encouraged to join and there's been the presence of female officers increasingly so um many many large numbers of female officers who are often much better at doing the job than the males certainly the ones i had experience of working with probably better investigators Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, um, able to multifunction, multi multitask, which is a help. Yeah. Uh, so you might. I just don't see they need it really. Although you know, perhaps, perhaps so in they some way but, there's a gender. So they don't, but the but the BPA, but the black people do, or the, the black and minority people. I can still think there's there is a chronic underrepresentation of black officers uh, in the police. And I think that is a, by and large, isn't it, a cultural issue, where I think, uh, speaking to um, a black officer that was based at Newark regularly about black issues, because I'm interested in, in that kind of thing, um, he was saying that uh, for a lot of the black communities, officers joining the police was a betrayal of their community because of the historical mm. oppression that had taken place before. And... You know, I can understand that. I can understand that. However, things are moving on, aren't they? Things are changing. Still not as well as we, or quickly as we might like them to. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's time for all sections of the community to just say, right, there were wrongs. There were things that weren't done in the right way. Let's move on from that. Let's... Let's have a police force, because surely the right thing must have a police force that's representative of, of, of the community. That it well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it should be a reflection of the community it, it serves, yeah. shouldn't it? Absolutely. I, absolutely. So should we have but by hardly, that... hardly any black officers in Newark, but lots of black officers in St Anne's? Well, Would that be appropriate? I don't know. You know what? what I mean, like, it'd be it, interesting to hear the opinions of uh, our of our listeners about yeah. how how really should that situation be tackled for the for the good? Yeah, uh, we'd be all ears, really. We'd discuss anything. Mm. I've I've policed in the city in areas where you know predominantly the community are from black and minority ethnic groups, and I've in some don't, don't get me wrong. So th- this is my own personal views, my own personal experiences. It's what's actually happened to me, and in a lot of those areas, not all, not all, 
but in a lot of those areas, there is an awful lot of um, hostility and mistrust, if you like, towards yeah. the police. And I felt that, and I've been on the receiving end of that yeah. uh, on many, on many, many occasions. Well, when I was in the fruit trade, uh, one of my customers there was a lady that had a, uh, uh, a shop in Nottingham, and I used to supply her with some of her fruit and veg. And uh, lovely lady, got on like a house on fire. She was um, of African extract. And uh, it came to the time where I actually got through the application system, you know, uh, route for the police, and to my amazement, got in. And uh, I had to go around telling all my customers that, uh, you know, my last deliveries were going to be in a few weeks' time, and that, you know, thanks very much indeed, and take them around a little something. And from the nanosecond I told her that I was joining the police, she totally did not want to know me. Totally did not want to know me. Although I've been supplying her for months, months. And I like to think I'm a nice guy. You know. You're a very nice guy. Well, thank you. Um, I try my best. And I, I, like with all my customers at the time there, I had about, I don't know, about 40 to 50 customers other than my shops. Um, and I always got on really well with them. But it was like slamming closed a really? steel shutter. So instantaneously how did, so how did that make you feel at that moment in time can you remember upset yeah it upset me what what specifically was you upset about then that she viewed me differently okay. that that she viewed me as a person that I wasn't so was she viewing you differently or was she viewing what you were about to become because if she's got on well with you all that time and you've had that good rapport, great relationship, you've supplied her with, you know, um, fruit and veg for her The shop, finest fruit and veg. The, sorry. Yeah. You've supplied her with the finest fruit and veg for her shop for, for all that time and there's been no issues yeah. with your relationship with her. Yeah. It's not you, is it? Well, no, but, but it is me. It was me. It was me on the receiving end of that negativity. It was receiving... And I just felt really disappointed... Really disappointed. And I think I was probably dis more disappointed with myself because I was unable to get over that barrier that had been created by talking to her. I wasn't able to convince her that I was still the same guy, that, you know, that I wasn't going to change because I was going to be a police officer. I was just a decent bloke joining that job. Um, and I thought that I'd be able to... Be able to you know, uh, having un unexpectedly seen this barrier being created, I thought I was going to be able to, as I had been able to in most of my life, just talk to people and yeah. reassure them. But I failed miserably. Mm. Um, so I felt that, that it, was, it was a frustration because I hadn't been able to articulate that. But I, I think it was a, almost a lost cause the moment I mentioned that I was joining the police. Yeah, I was, I was disappointed. Mm, I, I can imagine. So, yeah. yeah. But I do get... I do get the uh, the fact that it is a part of the community that has been oppressed. It's been a part of the community that has been perhaps unreasonably targeted previously. But there's also a side of it, I have to say. There is also a side of it of, of that part of the community being totally unrealistic about, mm. you know, their interaction with the police and that if you have offending children or if you have people that are you know children that are members of gangs and they're carrying weapons or they're doing drugs they're going to get turned over whether they're white 
black, and we, and we can't, we can't police them in a special way. I mean, I know Newark doesn't have uh, a large um, population of uh, African Caribbean extract, um, but you know, a lot of the time, on the very rare occasions when we do a stock search on a on a on a black youth very often would be the first thing you're only searching me because I'm black mm. when well actually no mate I'm searching you because you stink of cannabis uh, and that you've just passed something to that lad over there in exchange for something uh, that's why I'm searching you in the same way that I'm searching him and he's white yeah and, and so you know you're bound to get that aren't you from offenders you're bound to get that from people the negativity but I don't know, it just seems like a cheap shot just to use your colour to try and explain away why is he being stopped or spoken to. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a business contact who, uh, as a black guy, and he's, he's from Newark, and he is uh, 57, I think he is, 57, and he works in a, a similar industry to, to what we work in at the moment, so to do with in the, in the vehicle trade, motor trade, to do with hiring, uh, contract hiring, leasing vehicles. That one's a cheap plug, by the way. And um, he's told me in the past, because he knew I was a cop, and I've known him for a very long time, actually. When I, when I used to go to the youth club... Youth? The youth club. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago, yeah. He was a volunteer. Right. right. This, this, young black, this young black man, he used to volunteer at the youth club and, uh, and uh, you know, do what youth workers do. You know, he was not, not paid. He just used to help run the youth club. He'd take us on trips. You know, he'd drive the minibus sometimes or he'd just be there supervising us while we were, you know, playing pool, darts, music, dancing badly, you know, and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Some kids outside smoking. Yeah. As that, what, <laughs> what happened at youth clubs. Mm-hmm. And he uh, often tells me t- stories of growing up in Newark as one of the first black families. Ah, and, right, yeah. and he said... He was subjected to quite a lot of racism, right? Yeah, uh, from the local community, not yeah. not just not the cops, just the people that. So lived. what sort of what sort of time would that have been? That would have oh, uh, so that would have been uh, he would have been a youth in the mid sixties, wouldn't he? Because if he's fifty seven yeah. now, which would be full on. I mean, there was racism on television then. Yeah, was oh, main, yeah. racism yeah. was mainstream. Yeah, you know, we'll still death is too part. Yeah, what what. Oddly enough, he lived on a on a on a road in in Newark, um, which used to be the old A forty six before the bypass was built around the town. All right, and he lived next door. Again, he said this is just how circumstances uh, happened to another black family. All right, and he said, and they had a lot of kids, and he said, and he had quite a few brothers and sisters. All right, so it seemed that there was a lot of black people on this street in these right. two houses, and it was it was a main big main road. And when the football traffic used to come through, so the buses used to come through Newark, if they were, in particular, he said Lincoln, right, yeah. um, if they were going down south, whatever, they'd come, if they weren't going on the A1, they're going on the A46, maybe they're going towards Coventry or whatever. So they'd, they would actually come through Newark uh, along the road that he lived on, because that was the old A46, the original A46. He said, the people on the buses, they must have thought Newark was full of black people because he said we was always out in the front me and my brothers and my right, sisters yeah. and the next door was always out in the front and he said it got to the point when um, we knew the buses were coming we would go inside right because he said the buses in the old days you could open the windows and you could lean out he said they would they would hurl 
racist abuse at oh, us no. and even throw bananas at us in the front garden. And he said, and we got, to, we got to learn the times on Saturdays when the buses were coming through and we would just go in the house or yeah. go in the back gardens and play rather than being out the front. And then when and they've gone, run back out again and get all the bananas. Could, yes, yeah. that's right, yeah. So he, he's got some really interesting stories. I did, I've asked him if he'd come on yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and talk about growing up in the 60s oh, as, a, as a black kid yeah. in an area where yeah. predominantly, it's, predominantly it's, white. it's white. And he said, yeah, he would, he'd, he'd come on and share some stories with us. And one of them was, he always used to get stopped in his car when he first got a car. Oh, God, always yeah. got stopped by the cops. Yeah. He, and he used to carry all his documents with him all the yeah, time. Yeah, just assume he's nicked it. Yeah, because he, he got no insurance and stuff like that. Yeah. So he carried all his documents with him all the time um, because he was fed up of going into the police station with the old uh, HORT ones, Hortis, you know, producers, yeah, quite as deep. they were called. Yeah, seven days. Like confetti back yeah. in the day. Um, so they have, yeah. So that was that. But I've got another interesting story. So when oh, I joined yeah. the police, there was a guy in my intake who was considerably older than the majority of us so I was sort of in the middle age group there was there was some some recruits in my class that were 18 and a half 19 yeah and there was a couple there was a, a a guy who would have been about 41 42 and we we have to do this introduction thing you know where you you, you the instructors split you off into pairs get you talking and asking questions of the other person and then you have to stand up and say something interesting that you've learned about the person. Oh, Just yeah. about, you know, yeah, breaking down yeah. barriers, getting used to getting com- comfortable, familiar yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I ended up with this guy and uh, we got chatting so he told me how, how old he was, married, kids, and then I said, give me an interesting fact. And he went, this is the second time I've joined the police. Okay. And I looked at him and I was like, really? And he went, yeah. And I was like, wow, when did you join before then? And he went, 20 years ago. I went, Wow, what? Yeah. Well, tell tell me about it because I think to me that was like fascinating, yeah. and I thought this is going to be like the best one in the class. I'm going to give somebody, yeah. get, I'm going to yeah, give them a real, really, amazing, a really yeah. interesting fact about this this cop, and he said, "Yeah, I joined the Met twenty years ago." I went, "God, how long did you do then?" He said, I "Did my basic training." He said, "I got picked up, um, from Hendon, and I was be- I was based at Brixton. We based at Brixton." Yeah. He said, "This this police transit minibus type thing." Picked me up with three cops in it. Got my kit bag, chucked it in the back some. I climbed in, and we drove from Hendon towards Brixton. Nick, he says we got towards we got into Brixton, and he said this car pulled out in front of the police transit or Bedford. It might have been at that time. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. The cops pulled the car because it pulled out. Yeah. All right. They got out. It was being driven by a uh, a black male. They pulled him out of the car. They beat him up and they chucked him back in the car and they got back in the van and then just carried on as if nothing happened. Oh. And he was just like, oh my God. So this would, that would have been about 1980, yeah. 79, 80. And he thought, oh dear. What have I done? What, his first job was standing outside a, a scene preservation, standing outside like a fruit and veg shop of a black, uh, which was owned by a, a, a black family and it had been a petrol bond. And he was on scene preservation outside of that. He said, it lasted about two months, two or three months. He said, I hated it. He said, I just hated it. And he said, and I, I just resigned. Right. I, re- I resigned, I left. I just thought, that I don't want to be part of this. 
And so he waited for the world to change, as it did to some extent. Yeah, and then 20 years later, uh, yeah, he, he joined up. Yeah, mate, we talked and I found that. that. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So that, so I think... It was good that he's joined again. Yeah, and I think Probably he's... Probably a decent man. Yeah, lovely bloke. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. amazing I th- that he, he'd seen that type of behaviour, but yet he still felt that he wanted to join the police. Yeah. Did he join Knots? Yeah, it was Knots. Oh, he's still not. in there. Do you know? Yeah, I think he is. Is he? Yeah. He might just be in. He'd be a good person to get on. Yeah. Nice bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've meandered a little bit tonight, haven't we, with this one? Mainly because we had no idea what we we're going to talk about. Well, it is off the cuff. It is. I, I was um, thinking about chatting to you earlier about um, perhaps a bit more specifics about your specialist roles and the things that you did... Um, you can see I'm starting to smile. Are you, is this like going to be leading down the hair gel, protein shake, no, crayons? No, 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 no not, not a Mickey taking one, because obviously oh. we could spend all night taking the Mickey out of you. <laughs> um, but no, I'd, there will be people that would seriously consider joining firearms uh, and, and all the rigorous sort of process that uh, takes place to do that. But then I thought, why, why don't you actually tell people a bit about what it is actually like to be on the firearms unit about your training about whether or not you'd recommend that particular part of policing to anybody else or does it come with a lot of problems does it come with worry about what happens if you ever shot anybody okay share a bit of that all right do you um what the selection process or yeah it's a bit about that to begin with and what made you want to do firearms uh, in the first place? I'd um, I've been involved in a couple of jobs at Browntown and at uh, Newark, where we'd needed some additional resources, and these guys came over in this van. I say guys because it was all men. Um, came over in this van to give us a bit of a uh, bit of a dig out, and they got out of the van. They looked a bit different. They were dressed slightly different. They were very smart. Very well groomed. Very competent, very professional. And they were from a, uh, an operational support department. It's called Force Support. Oh, right. and, I, and they came over to, to assist us with some um, unsavoury characters that we needed to go and uh, Ooh, arrest. What, particularly violent people? Yeah, violent, anti, you know, cause, cause, going to cause you some problems. And they came over and there was about, uh, there was about 11 of them, I think. Ten, 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 the sergeants, and right? And um, a couple of them came in, did a bit of briefing, and then they said, "Yep, yeah, no problem." And we went to the addresses, and they they operated in a way that I'd not seen police officers operate before. Ooh, go on then. They were slick, efficient, zero tolerance. Had a massive brilliant presence about him that went in took control of the situation yeah it was violent it was hostile and that was just them (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I just thought wow yeah and because I've been in the forces and been involved in lots of different things it it sort of it aired towards a little bit of like a a military style um appeal operation you know and, and and that whole look about it and I just and I got speaking to a couple of them, and they, they were ex ex forces, oh. and I just thought I'd like to work on that department. Yeah, it it appealed to me straight away. So how many years did you have in when when that happened? 
happened? Uh, I got about three years in it. Well, not that long then. No. Okay. I got about three years in. So, did you get your name down straight away? Uh, the following year, so I got four years in. I think applications came out. Right. Yeah. And so I put an application form in. Yeah. Um, had an interview. Yeah. Now the interview was at the base where they were all based, and I was interviewed by two chief inspectors. No, sorry, two inspectors and a and Hilary Pierce, who was the nurse at the time. A nurse? Yeah, can you remember Hilary Pierce? The nurse. Sadly, she's no longer with us. Oh, right. I can't remember from nurse from occupational health. I don't really have occasion to see nurses. Oh, right. Well, you've med- probably been a sick bay ranger. You were probably around there all the time. Anyway. Yeah, so two, two, two police officers and a, and a civilian staff member. So right, she okay. was one of the interview. Yeah, so yeah. one of the inspectors um, interviewed me with his feet on the table. Wow. So I got, I got to look at his soles of his boots for, throughout my interview. And was it asked, did they ask you a load of questions that were totally irrelevant to the role, or did they actually ask you whether or not you worked hard, what people thought of you, and, uh, yeah, you'd make a great full support type person, or did you, did you get asked a load of questions that were totally irrelevant? There, there were some questions that were... The generic questions that you'll get asked in many interviews like mm. diversity yeah. communication but then there were some role specific very very role specific questions oh, right, you know, okay. about and had you done a lot of research yeah did yeah. you know somebody did you get to know somebody in that department to be able to prime you for the interview or no. Did you, no so it was a bit into the unknown a little bit a little bit yeah prepared mm. okay. uh, so I th- well, obviously I did alright in the interview because I got, I got the job but then once you'd done that you were sent for a, a medical because it was firearms role. Right. So a medical. Was that any different to the? Uh, no, it was, it was more focused medical? on eyes and hearing and uh, stress levels and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so but yeah, but very similar to the entrance medical to be a cop. Yeah. But a lot more focused on hearing and eyesight. Yeah, because that's handy when you're yeah. shooting. Uh, very handy. So the full support at that time then, were they all armed? Yeah. Okay. And uh, would they routinely carry, carry no, firearms no or f- would they be in a... No, full support weren't routinely armed unless they were tasked to do an armed, uh, an armed operation, if you like. All right. So, so there was what, two, what, there, what weapons was, would they be trained Well, there, there was... So what you have to remember, there was, at that time there were two... There were three firearms teams in Knotts, in Knotts Police. There was force support, who were like your tactical firearms team. Yeah. There was armed response, which was an amalgamation of traffic and roads policing, um, because we got rid of the traffic department and all the traffic cops became ARVs, armed response vehicles, that then did roads policing when they weren't involved in armed, spontaneous armed jobs. So you had tactical team, force support, Arm response, spontaneous. So for, for the uninitiated and me, yeah. what, what does a tactical team mean? Right, so your tactical team are... Well, if, if you start with the arm response then, so arm response pretty much do what they say. They respond. So it's a response team to, with yes, guns. Yes, with guns. Yeah. So they, they deal with mainly, predominantly, spontaneous incidents. So somebody rings up and says, there's a guy on the street who's got a machete. Yeah. That goes to the control room, goes to a control room operator who takes the call. They assess the call. They, they're trained to identify certain types of jobs. And that will then go to the top desk, which is where your control room managers, control room inspectors, force inspectors or chief inspectors will sit 
and, and they run the control room. That job will go for them. They'll assess it and they will make decisions based upon the information that comes in about that particular scenario. And they will decide then we're going to deploy armed cops. Okay. So that so that becomes a, a spontaneous firearms incident. Right, okay. Oh. Alright. So you so your tactical firearms team are deal with uh, pre-planned operations. So let's say for example we know Bob Smith is um currently doing ATMs, you know, nicking agricultural equipment to drive into shop fronts to steal the uh, the cash machines. Alright. He's got propensity for violence. He's often armed when he does these types of jobs because he doesn't want to get caught. Or if he does get caught, he wants to get away. So the detectives identify who this Bob Smith is, where he lives, what his movements are, and when they want him arresting. That would then probably go to somebody to look at it and go, that needs an armed, an armed operation because he's that violent, he's got access to firearms, he's been known to use firearms in the past. It can only be done by a firearms team. So then it will go to force support as a package Force support will get the package, they'll look at it, and they'll plan that job for the detectives and how they're going to conduct that arrest. So in a pre-planned operation, it will be decided that they're going to be armed because the offender is otherwise so dangerous. Mm -hmm. So conventional methods, if tried, would probably fail. And uh, force support will plan the job. And, it, and they'll plan it to the point of where they may even say, we want to do observations on him first, or we'll get a, we want a, a surveillance team on him to lifestyle him a bit, so we know what his movements are. But the, but the, but the job would be for support, and they would do the yeah. planning, they would do the yeah. bringing in the other resources. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and right. we, so we would plan. I it. thought they were just a load of neck snappers that would just no, run do all in. sorts. No, do, do all sorts. So for support, basically meant we supported the force mm. with a resource that was beyond the capabilities of what di the divisions had, like what response cops had. We, we, we need to arrest this person in this house, but we know the door is so difficult to get through. By the time we get through, we think they'll have disposed of um, the evidence or may, uh, it may be on a second floor or third floor in, in a block of flats. So we need to be uh, a bit more covert on how we get up. Um, so you, it will go you, Did you settle in really quickly into force support? Was it, did it fit you like a glove? Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And that, because I had that forces mentality, so when I was on the van, quite often, if we had a full complement on the van, there wasn't a seat for me, so I'd have to sit on the on the drinks crates at the back, yeah. which I have to look after. And yeah. So I had to look after the flasks, always make sure there was hot water yeah. and Max Packs drinks. And if there wasn't, woe betide, if we got to a job or a search or yeah. a warrant or something, and we did the job and we wanted a cuppa, and if there was no hot water... I'd, you get it. You want to drive off without me? Yeah, yeah. What well, you deserve? Yeah. And of course, that make was, your own way back to yeah, the Nick. Yeah, that's bullying nowadays, of course. But that was the way it was, wasn't it? Stuff. You mean, just, yeah, yeah, I embraced it. So, what weapons did you routinely use them and for support? So, for support. Oh, so just to add then, so when I went on my firearms course, uh, we have to do a pre-selection on firearms. So where they put you through a series of exercises to see if you are, see if you have the mental capacity and dexterity to handle a weapon. Right. So they give you a you know, set, set number of tasks to do, timed, under pressure, and just see how you, see how you get on. 
um, with it. Just so, so that was a prerequisite of being on full support is is passing all the firearm stuff. If you'd hadn't passed that, you'd have been mm. off, would you? Yeah, you would have got off, yeah, because it was it, a, an arm job. Did it armed. feel like you were under a lot of pressure with that? Were you nervous about it? Did it do? Did you feel as if you potentially might not make the grade? I did think that at times, um, but a lot of the stuff I'd already done in been in the forces, so I'd been put under pressure when operate when when handling weapons. Right. Made life made difficult for you in certain situations. So, it, wasn't so it, it felt very familiar to me. Even though it was difficult, it, it did feel very familiar. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the, the whole selection process. It was good. So would the weapons be similar to the ones that, say, the ARVs would carry now? Or? Yes, yeah, so when I did my firearms course, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of firearms incidents in knots. And going back to the time and the era when... The press said that well, they changed the name from Nottingham to Shottingham, didn't they? Yeah. There were so many shootings, and I mean, if you're going to be violence. in firearms, that's a great that place was, to oh, be. I mean, what a play, what, and what a time to go on as well. Yeah. It was phenomenal, fabulous. But, um, so when I did my firearms course, we did extra bits on it, and um, we did extra bits on the firearms oh. course. Oh. So, you're looking for your beer, aren't you? I know, I found it eventually. I was a bit getting in a bit of a flat. Which meant that we could operate armed response vehicles as well. So I trained as a tactical firearms cop, but did a, like a bit of a bolt on. And at one point, I think we were two thirds of the way through the course when they said to us, "You're not going on force support. You're going on armed response," oh. because they they were short of yeah. firearms cops because of the level of gun crime. So they were putting out you know three or four armed response cars every day in the city, and then up north as well. Because uh, the way Nottinghamshire is, the, the geography of Nottinghamshire, yeah. um, it meant that you'd have to have a, a, a firearms contingent based north of the county. We got to the end of the course, so I was like an omnicompetent firearms copy for like, so I was trained as a tactical firearms cop that I could do arm response as well. So the weapons that we trained on were, uh, at the time, it was the uh, Heckler and Cock uh, 53. Which is, is a long carbine. carbine. Right. It's, a long, it's a long carbine. Right. Is it a short carbine? Is yeah. Um, oh, so okay. we trained on the MP5. Right. Um, which is a, a short that? carbine. 9mm. Oh, okay. And that's for in building... Is that a larger calibre then? 9mm. Nine nine yeah. yeah so, and that's for um, inside buildings. Okay. So it's low powered. Um, because what you don't want it to is too much over penetration. Because if you're inside a building and you discharge your firearm, what you don't want it doing... Like an H and K fifty three next door's we'll wall. We'll go through about yeah. three walls. Yeah, H and K fifty three. Would uh, trained on nine millimeter uh, Wolfer P nine ninety pistol. Ooh. Is that uh, still used now? Yeah, it's similar to what James Bond carries really? that one. That's it's not used in PPK, isn't it? Yeah, so we, as was the Wolfer P nine ninety. It's not used in knots anymore. They've changed. I think oh. a lot of forces now are on Glocks. Right. Okay. And then I trained on the baton gun. Um, yeah. shot bat baton rounds. I can't L one one two A or something like that. It's called. Oh, okay. Which discharge a, a soft nose pre- or. I bet that kicked like a mule. That thing does. AP, I think it's called an attenuating energy. Something I can't remember what it, what it stood for now. I can't. It's gone. Yeah. But it, it basically shoots out. Did, uh, you, ever a, 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 you, did you ever use those from the riots? Uh, no, but I, I was all involved the, uh, in a couple of incidents where um, rubber. Rubber bullets or baton rounds were, were discharged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, okay. Um, yeah, so that's what I, I trained in all those weapons. Did you find 
for you personally that the, the the shooting aspect of it was fairly straightforward a lot of people struggle with the pistol don't they no so one of the problems i i had in my mind when i went on the firearms course was i wasn't very good with a pistol from my military days i was i was brilliant with a carbine oh brilliant yeah i was really good yeah but i was shocking with a pistol all oh, right okay so when we started the pistol shooting I nervous about I, that, yeah i was very and um what I pistols really did you shoot in the navy brown and nine millimeter yeah but they're like an animal aren't they <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there i am with this pistol and i'm oh God, i'm not doing very well and i think your first two weeks of the firearms course is all about theory of pistol shooting the theory of shooting theory of pistol shooting pistol shooting itself right. actually and tactics that's what you do because is it the pistol shooting that's going to muck most people up yeah and so what's the difficult the thing about the shooting the pistol at the end of two weeks yeah at the end of the first two weeks you have a a qualification shoot oh, with a pistol God, and if you fail if that's you fail that, that's it you're off firearms course I don't know if it's if it's like that now so well it depends build what up. gender you are now well anyway so there's a build up of this pistol shooting oh and uh, fortunately, I had some really good. In fact, well, in fact, all the instructors were good. Mm -hmm. All of them were good. But in particular, there was uh, there was one or two that um, really helped me. One of them, I remember him saying to me uh, at one point, quite early on in the in the first two weeks, said to me, "In a they were very blunt, you know. There was no um, diversity didn't really exist on the firearms course. Yeah. You know, have you got an effing problem?" Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, "Yeah. What's your effing problem then?" Well, my problem is I've shot pistols before and I've just got this thing, right, well, it's all in your effing head then, isn't it? So let's do that. Listen to what I say. Do this, do that. And they really, you know, brought me on. But that's how they spoke to me. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I was used to being spoken to like that in the forces. Yeah. There was no... Yeah, there's no issue no, for you. No, no, Might be different now. Yeah. And, um... So, they coached me really well. And I'm, I'm, I managed to become a... Good pistol. Oh, you actually, you, you raised to the level of yeah, good. I, I wouldn't say I was excellent. Right. I was good. So they used to score you on a. We did a range of different types of shoots, but ultimately it became like the National Police shoot, which was. Uh, which you had to do a qualification shoot. And it was. It used to be 50 rounds. And I would always be between 45 and 50. What, hitting the target at all? In the areas that you needed to hit. All oh, right, yeah. yeah. That's all right. Yeah, so not yeah, not bad. A lot of my colleagues were regular, you know, forty nines, fifties, forty nines, fifties, um, but I was always probably forty seven, forty eight. Were you married at the time of yeah joining firearms? What did your wife think about that role? Because it's potentially more dangerous. Well, her, her opinion was, well, if you're going to get yourself into a bit of bother, I'd rather you have a gun. Oh. The not have one. Okay. So that was. So it didn't um, worry her. I think she didn't. I think she worried the same amount as before. Right. Okay. Because she worried that I was because I was the type of cop that would get my nose in places where it wasn't really wanted. Yeah. If you didn't get involved in a scrap, you'd be one of those. Yeah. The front and scrap. you know, if there was a dodgy car or dodgy premises, I'd be the one with my nose stuck in the doorway. Yeah. Uh, or sticking through the driver's window, you know, so, and she knew I was like that. And I'd been in some scrapes, and I'd come home injured, and smacked, and all sort, you know, been involved in all sorts of stuff. So, so, it so she did worry. Yeah. But I think it probably. She didn't worry anymore. Yeah. 
Okay, and during all those times that when, when it was Shottingham and, and all those gun crime times in Nottingham, were there any times that you thought, Christ, what have I got myself into? Or did you, did you always feel comfortable with that role? Uh, there were, I always felt comfortable in the role. I, I, having done the final arms course, I mean, not everybody made it through the final arms course. What percentage didn't? I think we started with, we started with 12 and ended up with 9 passing. Oh, not bad then. Because I know that uh, we mentioned on previous podcasts, haven't we, about at that time Nottinghamshire used to be, had a reputation of being the most difficult force to get, to get into. into. Yeah. Uh, well, to get, and to get into, it was a difficult force to get into. Right. Oh, right. Um, in general. Oh, right. Yeah, they, 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 were, they were harsh with you on firearms. They took no shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and if... Uh, but then they were very good at giving feedback. They gave you lots of feedback all the time. If you weren't receptive to the feedback, that would get their back up. Because... At the end of the day, they want to produce somebody that they can trust with a firearm that can integrate into an existing team. That accepts it. You're competent. You know what you're doing. If you've got a problem, you can sort it out. You know, you can can just slot in to an existing team. That's what you've got to be. And so they put you through your paces on that firearms course. And in particular, you know, everybody on my course was going on for support. You know, uh, and they're a close unit. They are a tight unit. And you're going on a team that's that works together, that's tight, that do, you know, job after job after job together, and you're the new you're the new base. So there's no room for a square peg, is there, in a round you, Exactly. So you've got to fit and they made sure that you were gonna fit. Um, what was it like with research and stuff like that? Was there a lot of pressure in relation to because you could be in for a couple of months, couldn't you? But if you yeah. fail a research on either the pistol yeah. or something like that, then then potentially you could be back out again. So do you feel a lot of pressure? Yeah, so I think I passed, I passed my firearms course and then went, went to force support, went to my unit. And I think within three weeks, because you had to slot in with them in their training programme, within three weeks I was back doing the qualification shoot. Oh no. Did, how did that feel? Shitting myself. Because by this time you'd already settled in and thought, I like this. I like this. And now I might be out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you think did I'm you not think sure they liked me. It was, I, I was a very, very fortunate um, unit that I went on. Yeah. Great team. A great team. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was the flask, flask boy, flask, man. flask yeah. boy, flask man, boy, yeah. whatever. Yeah. As was a, an, another colleague that joined the unit at the time, so we took it in turns between us. Um, yeah. So qualification shoot used to go down, and it was just straight into it. What they used to call it, cold qualling. So where was the range? Uh, I can't say. Oh, right, okay. Go all right, yeah. okay. It, within Nottingham? Yeah, it was within Nottinghamshire. Okay, all right. Okay. I don't really want to say where it is yet. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So, uh, you've got, we go to the range, and it was literally uh, clipboard with names on, and they'd yeah, just shout yeah. at you to the point, yeah. and they'd be like, maybe four of you, five of you. Yeah. And you'd go through the shoot. Yeah. Pistol, pistol shoot first. Oh, Always pistol shoot first. <laughs> Magazines on, and there was like five different disciplines, 50 rounds. What was the discipline then, briefly? What sort of thing? It's not just shooting at a target then. Um, from what I remember, there was uh, shooting at five metres, but it's quick draw, so the target exposes very briefly. You have to draw oh, your pistol, God, right, yeah. get up on aim, and get two into the body. How are you with that bit? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, yeah. at five metres with a pistol, it, it's, it's not far, is it? It's not that difficult. Yeah. Then you'd get to like 10 metres, and the exposure would be longer. Yeah. I, I mean, it changed so many different times because I think we. You did. We did a Nottinghamshire police shoot. Sometimes we did a national police shoot. I can't, and I can't remember which one became, uh, which one was before the other. Yeah. Did you but, take beta blockers to stop your hand shaking? 
No. Did anybody? No. Didn't they? No, oh, you just okay. have to go and do it. So, no warm-up shoot, no no practice. Can we have... Oh, so, right, yeah, no, give us a go, Sarge. Can we have five rounds or ten rounds just to warm up? No. What would happen if you went to an armed robbery? Yeah, there's no there, is uh, it? Two seconds, mate. Yeah, hang on, old boy. I'm just going uh, <laughs> to get my eye in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, straight into it. It was... It, it, you were quite nervous and apprehensive. I bet once you got the pistol out of the way, though, everything was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Barrier shoot, so you have, a like, a... a uh, is it called a barrier shoot? Barricade. Barricade Barric- shoot. Oh, right. So there's, like, a barricade. It was, like, a giant L. Oh, and yeah. it's a different... But it's at different heights, and you have to shoot round it. Oh. So two shots from this position, two shots from this position, two from this, two from this, and it's all timed. So that one lasts for, a, I think... Was it about a minute? Right. But it's from quite a distance... Did you um, feel under pressure? Did you feel oh, stressed yeah. during it? Did oh, you? Yeah, with yeah. a bit of a sweat going a bit, on? A bit of all sorts, yeah. Because you, you're with your new colleagues that you're working with and some of them yeah. have been there for like yeah. 10 years, you know. And uh, Did you did you yeah. see some great shooting? Oh, yeah. Some of them, was yeah. there? Some fam- fabulous shooting. Really? Yeah. Mm. And then um, get onto the carbines and to me, shooting carbines was great because I, I, was, I was already good at shooting that, so... I did you ever have a research? So how many research processes did you have to go through? Um, your time well, it used to be every every three months. It's quite, yeah. Yeah, quite it used to be every three months. So then it did it change to every six months. But um, did you were you with anybody? Did anybody in your group ever fail a research? Uh, yeah, it was called a dip. So you call it a dip. Oh, the sorry, dip, not a dick. Dip. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you get the odd dip, and uh, they might have a, a bit of refresher training. Right. Oh, so they wouldn't just put you into no. another research lab. They'd give you no, a chance a bit, a bit to improve. Of, yeah, a bit of refresher training, and then you'd go and do another another research. Yeah. So, if you spoke to someone who was in the job that was thinking about doing that role, would you unreservedly say, "Crack on and do it," or "Yeah, but think about this"? I would. I would say do it. Yeah, because it at times it's very dynamic. You've got to be really switched on know what you're doing with your weapons you know your dexterity skills need to be you know absolutely on fire sparking we used to call it start uh, sparking yeah, yeah you know get get up there get in your bubble you know switch on think about what's going on around you what your colleagues are doing you know we did moving shooting we did shooting from vehicles on the range you know we could drive a vehicle onto the range and we'd drive up and you'd be sat in the vehicle, then the targets would turn, you'd have to sometimes have to get out. Sometimes one of you'd be shooting from inside the car, oh, one would yeah. be shooting over the top. Would it be like that video you showed me of that American cop who shot about 10 shots through the windscreen of his own car? Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, you know, it was interesting. We did all sort of laying down, shooting on your side, you know, yeah. all a manner of things. But the instructors were good because they were... You know, it's it's about trying to make things as realistic as possible, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I think it's great. It'd be very interesting to hear from other uh, officers from around the world about how the uh, the firearms training goes. I remember a uh, South African chap who uh, who joined Knott's Police. Yes, I worked with him a couple of times. Did you? Yeah. Did you? I'm sure the rumour was that he would be able to go out in the morning in South Africa, shoot someone, quick pocket notebook entry, a couple of new rounds in the chamber, and then off he'd go back out on patrol. Yeah. Was that pretty well the stories you'd hear? Yeah. And so we would love to hear from firearms officers around the world, really. Yeah, he, he, got, uh, he got badly injured, didn't he, off duty on his push bike? Very badly, mm. he's very seriously injured, yeah. yeah. So he, yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, anyway, yeah, so there we go. I think oh, I've enjoyed that. It's been fascinating. Yeah. And, 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 and then maybe we could talk about my, when I became a specialist firearms officer. Oh, oh we'll leave that for another time. We'll leave that for but I found it interesting not taking the piss consistently for over half an hour, really, in relation <laughs> to your role. Did uh, you see how many times when I was talking, I was checking myself out? In the, yeah, uh, you were, weren't you? Yeah, just, you? Talk, yeah, just of, in the yeah, reflection of your phone. Just sort of like dropping, dropping back into it. Yeah, flexing. <laughs> Well, Flucker fans, I think we ought to... Uh, uh, pass me that protein pro- shake. Probably call it a day. Mm. Oh, cheers. Oh, this is lovely, this um, king of beers. Cheers. Cheers. Let's box Oscar.